This morning, we're going to continue what I started last week on the IMs, and we really ran out of time, but I think it was of the Lord, and that what we are doing in this series on the IMs of the Gospel of John, there are seven main IMs, and they are specific to who Jesus is and what he is doing during the narration or the story of John. Each of those fit into what is happening at the time. And this I am, which is I am the resurrection and the life, is very timely. And we've prayed for a lot of physical things this morning, which in some ways is unusual. Along with that comes the blessing and the understanding that as fallen human beings, we need lots of prayer in that area. But we can't lose sight of who he is. Very important for us to keep our eyes focused. We need to keep our focus on the Lord so that we are not self-centered, me-centered, me, 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 but we are Father-centered, Jesus-centered, centered on the three in one. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as believers, and we walk in the strength that he gives us. And it's not all about healing. It's all about walking in the grace the mercy, and the way of the Lord. So many times our prayers focus around our physical needs. We need to be aware of the Spirit of God and what He's doing in our midst. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we're really sensing that these days we need to be not so much gimme, 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 as we thank you, thank you, for your grace, your mercy, and for your person of who you are. So I think these I am's will help us to really focus on who Jesus is. That's our identity. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We read through this passage last week. And for those of you who are new and visiting here this morning, I decided to keep the text, but we'll move quickly through it. And I'm going to be doing it rather than reading through the whole passage. We'll be reading, stopping, commenting, and moving on through the outline. Father, we ask that you would be honored and glorified. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, three in one. Open our hearts and our minds now. And... I pray your blessing on these words in Jesus' name. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. And our first point is Jesus explains death, the nature of death. Jesus reveals more about himself in terms of who he is and what he desires to do for mankind. Jesus wakes Lazarus up. And this is a very important point of this part of the narrative. And then D point is, 
Jesus faces his own death with the reality of what resurrection and life is all about. Now a man named Lazarus was sick and many of you Bible readers know who Lazarus is. Friend of Jesus and his sisters and Lazarus had invited Jesus several times into their home. Jesus himself had become very good friends with them and kind of like family with him. And Lazarus was sick and Jesus was off in another part of Israel preaching and teaching and he got the message that Lazarus was sick. Jesus said a very curious thing. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son himself may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Most of us would run off and do something about it. And just to be there. We can't help sometimes when we go to the bedside of our family or friends. But if you know the Holy Spirit and if you know Jesus himself, it's not about rushing off to be there as much as it is to get before the throne of God and know his power, his love, and his ability. Now that's not to say you shouldn't run off to your father when he passes away, your family. Anyway, Jesus says to the disciples, just a little bit following that, after these two days were spent there, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. I searched this passage, this last couple of verses, hoping that I'd get some kind of real solid understanding of what Jesus is talking about here. But as I read through some of the, and you know, Going online and looking at commentaries is a big waste of time. <laughs> but if you're a Bible student, just be careful who you read and know who you read. Because there's a lot of foolish speculation out there, particularly when we're talking about Scripture. So Jesus saying here, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Well, the Jewish culture or tradition was to divide up day and night equally, 12 hours, 12 hours. And then each 12 hour segment was set up by what they called a watch. In other words, a smaller period of time, three hours, three hours, three hours, three hours. And then it was night, three hours, three hours, three hours, three hours. And Jesus is saying, well, you're walking in the daylight, things are going great, it's perfect, I can do this. In the daylight, you don't stumble, it's so easy. It's... But, you know, we as human beings know we can't. 
But here's another aspect of this. It is when a person walks at night, that is when they stumble, for they have no light. What did Jesus say about himself? He says, I am the light of the world. What does it mean he's the light of the world? It's more than just switching the light on. It's the fact that if you walk in the light as he is in the light, that is where we need to be as believers in Jesus Christ. Knowing that with him, there is light. And so it's at night when it's dark and you're in danger of stumbling. But you know, sometimes we're in danger of stumbling when it's broad daylight. So we need to be aware of what is Jesus really talking about? Walk in the light as he is in the light. That is where we need to be. And what does he call us? Children of the light. Wow. I get to be called a child of the light. You get to be. And we can give testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ lives in me. We just sang about that. Because he lives, we live also. That's our understanding. We have the light even when it's very dark. We have the light in Jesus Christ. And we don't need to be confused or stumble. We have him. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And there's something about that of bringing light in resurrection out of darkness because death is dark and it's very dark here in Japan very dark in fact I wonder if we could turn our lights on brighter than they have ever been those of you who are visiting Japan we appreciate your coming to want to be with fellowship we want to send you out of here glowing like a bright ember wherever you are so that you can bring the light along with us we love it when committed christians gather together from other countries and they get a taste of what japan is about guys you're on campuses and the darkness is very dark may you be light and salt on your campus thank you for joining us this morning those of you who are in companies it's hard here in Japan and so we need to know that I have resurrection life pulsating through my body the Spirit of Jesus Christ the resurrected Jesus Christ I am the resurrection Jesus declares and after this he went on to tell them our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, and his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. You know, the Bible often refers to death of believers as sleeping. For that's what it's like for us who are in Christ. Our bodies die, but our spirit lives on. 
That's even true for unbelievers, by the way. Their body dies, but they're still separated from eternal life. They're alive to be resurrected again. That's what we just finished in Revelation as we went through Revelation, that the dead will rise, whether believers or unbelievers. And then there's the judgment seat of Christ to face. To the sheep, welcome into the kingdom of my Father. For those who are not, it is you're in darkness for eternity. That's a sobering thought. And particularly for you who have parents and children who are still in the darkness, that's a heavy thing to think of. If they're not walking with the Lord, if they don't know him, it's heavy. Katie and I share that with our youngest son, not walking with the Lord. He knows the truth. He accepted Jesus when he was seven or eight years old, but he is not walking with the Lord. He's coming closer, but he's still in the night without the light. And we share that with you because it's not like, oh, we're Christians and everything is always really happy. No. We share this of walking in the darkness and thinking of our son, where he is and the life that he's living. Praise the Lord. We are firm in him. So then he told them plainly, yes, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go be with him. And so Jesus then turns toward Jerusalem, where they had just threatened to stone him. But because he could walk in the light, because he was the light, he was not afraid. And for this reason, he came. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, and by the way, he's also called Doubting Thomas. You know who this guy was? And some people think, oh, he was like Eeyore. How many know Eeyore? Okay, you are reading good literature. Anyway, Thomas is not a pessimist or a doubter. He's like me. Katie says, I'm a pessimist. No, I'm not. I'll fight that to my death. And I probably will be beaten, I would think. But I'm a realist. I think Thomas also was a realist. So if somebody calls you a pessimist, just retort, no, I'm a realist. Anyway, Thomas went to India, tradition says, and planted churches in India. And there are churches in India who still feel the effect and the influence of Thomas the Apostle. So put that together. Yes, Thomas was a realist. Let us also go that we may die with him. He wasn't pessimistic. Well, we're going to go and get killed and probably hung on a cross. No, 
He was saying, we're ready to die with our Savior. Otherwise, he would have gone the opposite direction of where Jesus and the other disciples would have gone. Jesus reveals more about himself. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And when uh, Jesus had arrived, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I wonder what her heart was thinking. She loved to serve Jesus. But you remember, it wasn't Martha who sat at Jesus' feet. Martha was the housekeeper. She was the one who served and served and served back and forth from the kitchen to where Jesus was sitting there. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, learning, loving to be there. Martha was a warrior. Well, same way that I say that Thomas might be a uh, realist. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask, Martha says. She was a woman of faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, and she was a good Baptist. She was a, a good evangelical. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That is our number one tenet, I believe, for good theology. The resurrection is more important, don't say Easter, it's resurrection day. And that our resurrection, our living, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Every Sunday, every Sunday is resurrection morning. Keep that in mind. That's our theology. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. He doesn't say, I am a resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. And I've told you this many times. I'll say it again just for the benefit of our guests here with us. Jesus is the resurrection. He was the first born from the dead. The first born around our universe. There's a dark shroud, a death shroud because our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Adam and Eve, sinned. Death covered our space. And that shroud is like a womb. And Israel was told that the firstborn was his. The firstborn belonged to him. Why? Because it's the firstborn that opens the womb to allow for others to come to life out of this darkness that we're in. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And scripture calls him the first 
born from the dead. Lazarus died, we say. Jesus says, no, he's asleep. Lazarus hasn't even resurrected to this day. How do we know? We just studied Revelation. Then we'll all rise. And so when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, it is his resurrection. He is the firstborn that opens up the womb, this shroud, death shroud. Otherwise, there is no escape. And there was no escape from it, but they slept. All those in the Old Testament, all of those of us in the New Testament. But we will be raised, resurrected, with new life when he comes back to receive his own, his church. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Mary, the teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Why did she say the teacher? Well, because Jesus is the great teacher. Yes, that's true. But I think that Martha was saying, because there were some guests in their house to help the sisters mourn their brother's death. And I believe that some of them were undercover from the temple, spies coming to weep with the sisters. Because it says that some of them, after, went back to the Pharisees at the temple and ratted, had told that Jesus was in the vicinity. He had left and he had come back. And so Martha goes up and says, the teacher's here. Didn't say, Jesus is here. That's why I think Martha was a pretty good gal. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still the place where Martha had met him. And don't know what that means, but when the Jews saw Mary leave the house, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Oh, Mary, come on. You sat at Jesus' feet. Now you're at his feet in defeat. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, Mary, where's your faith? Jesus didn't say that, but when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. The shortest verse in the English Bible, Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Because of loss of hope? No, because he was a man. 
he understood, he understood more than any man what death was. And because of that, he could be our savior. Jesus wept because he could identify with us and did identify with us. Then the Jews say, see how he loved him. The Jews could have said, he'll be weeping more if we get our hands on him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I'm not even going to answer that. Point C, Jesus wakes Lazarus up. Lazarus wasn't raised from the dead. He was wakened out of death. And once more, Jesus weeps. He was deeply moved. And asked them, take away the stone. And Martha, again, the realist, the one who is looking after other people and caring about them, probably caring about her guests, said, Master, Lord, by this time there's a bad odor. There's a stink. There's a smell. After four days, don't do that. And Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. What a testimony, what a declaration. Jesus then said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of cloth. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And Jesus, in the face of those who were even there, who witnessed the raising of Lazarus, would go back and report this as an illegitimate showmanship that Jesus was doing. And this would be his downfall. And so he faces his own death, knowing that that's where he was going. That he himself would be, what? He'd already said it. What did he say he was? I am, together, the resurrection and the life. Let's say that again for Jesus' glory and honor. I am the resurrection and the life. Get that in your heart and understand what that means. Not just death itself, but life going back to the office, going back to a husband that's not a believer yet, going to relatives that we just sat with some friends yesterday who on Friday, they went to a funeral in Nikko, actually Imaichi, and they said, oh, it was so long, so dark. It was terrible sitting there. We said, did you understand it? No, nobody understands it. And our friend said, I looked around, 
and a lot of people were asleep. But it was so long. Absolute emptiness, darkness. It's around us, folks. You bump shoulders with hundreds of people every day. Katie bumped into a hundred of them riding on the train going up to Utsunomiya. And she was crying, crying because she was hanging onto a pole and people were trying to pull her off the pole, getting in and out. I was behind her. This land is a dark, dark land. But Jesus knows. He knows what he faces on behalf of all of us. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Now the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, the council, and said, what are we accomplishing? In other words, man, we are in big trouble. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. They had a big stake in getting along with the Romans. And here's something incredible. Then one of them called Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people, that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day, they plotted to take his life. And they became God's little helpers. Caiaphas, the high priest, pronouncing this, had no control over that, no understanding of what he was saying. It was a prophecy. It was like Balaam's donkey. Everybody knows Balaam and his donkey? <laughs> so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. But he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Believe that. Embrace that. Embrace that in your hearts to the point where you will wake up tomorrow morning because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Let me just share one more scripture with you and then I'm out of here. There may be some of you who do not know Jesus Christ as your savior. But John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, the firstborn son, that whoever believes in him shall not be destroyed, 
one translation in English says, will not perish, but it actually means to be destroyed, but will have everlasting life. Believing in Jesus is an investment for eternity. It is not for us just to have a good life here. I'm God's little child. Yes, you are. But we have a greater mission to lay down our life, to receive his life, that we might be lights, that we might be life in the company that he puts us in. And another verse, or verses, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Can you say, yes, I believe that? For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you would like to know how to call on the Lord, or you'd like to learn more about what is this about in Romans 10, 9 and 10, I'd be glad to speak with you. Or maybe the friend that brought you could speak with you. He who walks in the daylight doesn't stumble. But he who walks at night stumbles because he can't see. This is pure gospel. This is what church is about. Because he lives, we can live forever. Amen.